You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Tuesday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. I want you to know something. You are a winner, and I want you to say that I am am a winner. Well, we began in a series that has several subtopics, but we began a series entitled Sickness, Whose Report Will You Believe? There are all kinds of reports from media. There's all kinds of reports from theologians, all kinds of reports from different politicians and, and the medical people. Whose report are you going to believe? Well, I want to answer for you. We believe the report of the Lord, and I'm excited about it. Now, in today's lesson, my subtopic is the same Jesus. Come on, say that. The same Jesus. The same Jesus. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, that's the past, today, that's the present, and forever, that's the future. Past, present, future. The Bible says that Jesus is the same. Now, the scripture says that Jesus came to reveal the will of the Father. In fact, Jesus himself said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. So when we look at Jesus' life, we see the Father's will. We see the Father's desire. Now, you may be asking, why did I choose this subject? The same Jesus, the same Jesus. I wanted you to see that God is consistent. If God, if Jesus is a revelation of God's will, to see Jesus is to see God's will, then I wanted you to see that God is consistent. He is consistent. He is predictable, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament or the ministry of Jesus, we see consistency. Have you ever had a friend? You ever had a friend and your friend was moody sometime and sometime your your friend was up? Or would you like to have a friend? Sometimes he's up. Sometimes uh, she's down. When you want to have a friend that's consistent all the time, you know, consistency and predictability is the key to trust. You can't trust anything that's not consistent and predictable. So I wanted to show you that God's will, as it relates to healing, as it relates to health, as it relates to long life, is consistent. God is predictable so we can trust him. So in this three-part series, The Same Jesus, I want to show you that healing, health, and long life was God's will in the Old Testament. And then our next lesson, we'll see healing, health, and long life in the ministry of Jesus. And then in our third lesson, the same Jesus, we'll see healing, health, and long life in the New Testament for you and I as New Testament Christians, New Testament believers. So today, we're going to be talking about healing, health, and long life in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament. And beginning at Exodus 15, 26, we see God revealing one of his redemptive names. Throughout Scripture, God reveals himself as meeting all the needs of mankind through redemptive names like Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, or Jehovah Shammah, the Lord that's present with us, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, uh, our provider. But today, he reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Rapha. 
Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, he says of himself, I am the Lord who heals you. Now, listen at that. I am the Lord who heals you. This is one of God's redemptive names. He says, I'm Jehovah. I'm the Lord that heals you. I'm the Lord, your physician. I'm the Lord, your doctor. Now, when we look at the word Rapha, Jehovah Rapha, the word Rapha means to repair. It means to restore to health. It means to mend. It means to fix. It means to make whole. So he's revealing himself as our physician. God says, I am your physician. I am your healer. God says in Exodus 15, 26, I am the one who repairs. I'm the one who restores to health. I'm the one who mends. I'm the one who fix. I'm the one who makes whole. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am your physician. I am your doctor. Now notice what it says. I am your healer. I am your physician. I am your doctor. I am. Am is present tense. So God cannot be our healer on one hand and be the one who makes us sick. That would be inconsistent. That would be contrary to his nature. He said, I am the one that heals. I am your healer. I am your physician. So God cannot be both the one who heals and the one who makes it. That makes sense, doesn't it? God is our healer. Come on, say he's my healer. Come on, say that he's my physician. He's my doctor. Then when we move to Exodus chapter 23, verses 25 through 26, we just moving through the New Testament. And we want to see this theme of healing, health, and long life in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament. Now, notice what it says in Exodus 23, verses 25 through 26. It says, so you shall serve the Lord, your God, and he will bless your bread and water, and I this is the Lord speaking, will take sickness away from the midst of you. Now, listen at this. He says, God is speaking, no one shall suffer a miscarriage or be barren in your land. And then he says, I will fulfill the number of your days. Now, this is a powerful covenant promise. This is a powerful covenant promise. And then God says to his people, if you'll serve me, he says, I'll bless your bread and your water. That has to do with material provision. God wants to bless our material provision. He wants to meet our material needs. But then he says, I will take sickness away from the midst of you, I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. Well, if God takes sickness away from the midst, it's apparent that he doesn't want sickness in our lives. He said, I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. And then here's a beautiful promise. If you desire, maybe some of you uh, females, you desire a child, you desire a baby, you desire full term. Uh, maybe you're pregnant and you believe in God for full term uh, pregnancy and delivery. You'll notice it says no one shall suffer a miscarriage. Now, that's a promise you can stand on. It says no one shall suffer miscarriage. I think you should be confessing that I'll not I'll not uh, experience a miscarriage. And maybe you have in the past. Don't feel condemned about it. But I'm just giving you some good news. Go back. Try again. The scripture says no one shall suffer a miscarriage. And then it says no one will be barren. He said no one will be 
parent. Maybe you've been trying to have children. You've not been able to conceive. This is a beautiful text that you can stand on. In Exodus 23, verse 25 through 26, it says, No barren in your land, and the number of thy days I will fulfill. Now, when we look at the text, we're talking and we're following the theme of healing, health, and long life throughout the scriptures. And we're dealing primarily to in this lesson on the Old Testament, the Old Testament. So there are three things I want you to take note of in this text. He says, I will take sickness away. I will take sickness away from the midst of you. That's healing, isn't it? So if sickness is in your life and God says, I'm going to take it away, then that's healing. You can stand on that. If you're being challenged now with any kind of condition, any kind of sick, uh, sickness, or maybe you uh, tested positive for uh, COVID-19, God say, is saying to you, I'll take sickness away. Stand on that. I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. If he's taking it away, then that's healing. But now watch this. If there's no more sickness because he took it away, that's health. So if you're challenged with a physical condition, then you want to believe for healing. But there's a place in God where you can walk in divine health and not get sick because if he takes it away and there's no sickness left, then that's health. But then thirdly, he said, the number of your days I will fulfill. That's talking about long life. And in our last lesson, remember, we, we uh, did some research and we discovered that eight out of 10 people in America die from sickness and disease. The statistics say that eight out of 10 people who die in America would die from sickness and disease. The statistics say that nine out of 10 individuals who die worldwide will die from sickness and disease. But now notice this, God is promising that I'm going to take sickness away. That's healing. If there's no sickness left, that's health. And then God promises, I will fulfill the number of your days. And that's long life. Now, let's talk about long life. Let's talk about long life. And I want to ask you a question. And I want you to I want you to listen. And I got my uh, I got my iPad here. You can send your questions in at any time. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to listen to my question. Do you, as a believer, have a basis for long life? Do you have a basis, a scriptural basis for long life? Do you know what that is? Do you know the scriptures? Are you standing on the scriptures? Okay. Or are you just wishing? Because, you know, there's some people who say, well, you know, God is sovereign. And if God wants me to live a long time, I'll live a long time. He's sovereign. He, he know how long we're going to live. Okay. Now wait, let's, let's, let's think now. And remember, I'm on your, I'm on your side. I'm on your team. Let's think for a moment. I'm asking you, do you have a scriptural basis for long life? Are you standing on that? Or, or have you just turned it over to the Lord and whatever he wants? If the Lord wants you to live long, you will live long. If God wants to take you early, he'll take you early. I'm asking you, do you have a basis for long life, or are you just kind of wishing and just going to see what's going to happen? Okay, second question. Do you have a vision of you personally living a long time? Do you 
have a vision of you personally living a long time. Because the Bible says where there's no vision, people perish. If you don't have a vision of you living a long time, then you're not in faith for it. You're not in faith for it. And the Bible says, it clearly says in the word of God, it says that the word preached did not profit Israel because they didn't mix faith with what they heard. Are you just sitting around and just kind of seeing how this thing going to turn out? And maybe people in your family live a long time, so you expect to live a long time. Or maybe people die before they 40 in your life, and you figure you're going to die before you 40. Do you have a vision of you living, personal vision of you living a long time? And then do you have a goal? Do you have a goal that you're releasing your faith for, for long life? Well, I do. I have a goal. I have a goal of 110. That's my goal. I have a goal that I will live a healthy, long life, 110 years, and then I'm going to fall asleep in Jesus, go straight to heaven if Jesus tarry. With no sickness, no disease, no catastrophe, none of that. I'm just going to fall asleep in Jesus and leave my body and go to heaven at 110 if Jesus should tear. That's my goal. Well, if you don't have the word on it, then you have no basis. You don't have a personal vision that's that's believable, and then you don't have a goal. So let's do this. Let's work on a basis, personal vision, and then I'm going to let you set the goal. Job 5, now we notice in Exodus 23 that God says the number of our our days here fulfill. Fulfill means complete. So we can take that text over in uh, Exodus 23, verse 25 through 26. We can take that. But Job 5, 26, Job 5, 26, it says, you shall come to the grave At a full age, as a sheaf of grain ripens in its season. I'll say that again, because, listen, I want to give you a biblical basis for believing for long life. I want to get you in faith. I want to get you in faith. When they start talking about all these statistics about 600 or 700,000 people dying or everybody may die, somebody may die, and when you hear people say We don't know when we're going to go. No, no, you're not going to flow with that. You're going to believe, have a basis for long life. And Job 5.26 says, you shall come to the grave. You shall come to the grave. That's death at a full age as a shelf of grain ripens in its season. So here's a promise that you can stand on. And why would God tell us? that we could come to our grave at a full age if he didn't intend for us to to live a full age, if it wasn't his will. But I want you to notice something in this particular text. I see a comment. Thank you so very much. I see another. I, I see a comment. You send your questions. Listen at this. It says, you shall come to the grave at a full age. Say full age. Come on, say that again. Full age. Come on, say this. Let's make a confession. I will come to my grave at a full age. Come on, say that. I will come to my grave at a full age. So let's say it one more time. I will come to my grave at a full age. Notice something. The very fact that the scripture says full implies that an age cannot be full, that a life cannot be full. The implication is that you can come to your grave, that's death, at an age that is not full. Because if there's not the converse age that's not full, it doesn't make sense to say full. It, just, it should just say you come to your grave. But it says come to your grave at a full age, which implies there's a lifespan, there's a time of life that's not 
four. And I submit to you and hear me accurately. I submit to you that most people go to their grave at an age that is not full, at a premature age. And that's very possible because the promises of God are not automatic. I repeat it again. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter uh, 2, verse 3, it says, the word, pardon me, chapter 4, verse 2, Hebrews 4, verse 2, it says, the word preached, the good news preached, the gospel preached, did not profit them. Talking about those under the old covenant, it says, did not profit them because they did not mix faith with what they heard. So the key to long life is to hear what God says, believe it, independent of what your family member died, this family, this happened, this family member, independent of 700,000 people dying. You believe it independent of your circumstances, what you feel, your experiences of people around you. You believe it, you say it, you act like it. You believe it, you say it, you act like it. You believe it. And I've been quoting 110. Once I got that revelation in my spirit, I've been quoting 110. I'm saying it with my mouth. I live to be 110. If Jesus should tear now, if he come before then, I'm just going to go to heaven with it, with everybody that's saved. But I am releasing my faith. That is my faith goal. 110. If you don't have goals, you're not going to achieve very much. 110. I'm going to come to my grave at a full age, and I'm believing that for you, that you're going to come to your grave at a full age. You know, uh, my mother died. She was around 92, 93. And when she uh, passed 80, she was over in her 80s. The Spirit of God spoke to me and said something, and it's, it's very interesting. I want you to listen. The Spirit of God spoke to me. I, I see your questions. Thank you for your questions. And he said this about my mother. He said, old enough to die, old e enough to die. She, he was preparing me. Now, she lived years after that. She may have been close to 85 or somewhere along that, that age, but he was preparing me. He wanted me to know, and I think God will show you things ahead of time. He wanted me to know that my mother in her 80s were old enough to die. I heard the Spirit of God say that. She's old enough to die. Well, think about it. Old enough implies not old enough. I'm talking about from God's perspective. I'm not, I don't want you to go back in the past and I want you to think about people who died uh, early in their life. I'm not talking about whether or not they were Christians, whether or not they love God. I'm not dealing with their inherent value. I'm not putting down anyone who died prematurely. Don't hear that. I am just bringing you good news from the scripture. That's all I'm trying to, by the spirit of God, keep you alive. That's all long life, okay? The fact that he says she was old enough to die implies that there is an age that is too young to die. And then I'm going to show you next week a text where God raised a young man from the dead, and the scripture clearly communicates that he was a youth, that he was young, and Jesus raised him from the dead. Now, listen at this. Psalms 91, we just want a basis now. We talk about healing, health, and long life. And if you're not, you're not going to live a long life if you're sick all the time. You're not going to live a long life if cancer takes you out or diabetes takes you out, COVID-19 takes you out. You're not going to really live a long life unless you had already lived it. Okay? So listen at this. Psalms 91, verse 16 
says, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's Psalms 91 verse 16. I'm giving you a basis. I ask you a question. What was the, your basis? I'm giving you a scriptural basis. Now, you have to meditate on these scriptures and come up with a personal vision. You got to see yourself living a long time. I don't care whether you're in a hospital room now. I don't care whether the diagnosis said you had three months to live or uh, two months to live or you have a terminal illness. I'm asking you whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to re- believe that report? that you have something that's terminal, it's going to end your life. Terminal means end. Terminal means you're going to die soon. That's what terminal means, okay? I am saying, in spite of the fact that you got a terminal or received a terminal diagnosis, I'm asking you, are you going to believe that report or are you going to believe the report of the Lord? Now, God says in Psalms 91, verse 16, he says, with long life, I'm going to satisfy. With long life, I'm going to say. And then he didn't say, I'm going to satisfy me. I see questions. Thank you for your question. He didn't say with long life, I'm going to satisfy me. He said, I'm going to satisfy you. In other words, you can live until until you satisfy. You can live, hit long life, and then decide when you're satisfied. Here, don't die, don't get satisfied before long for long life. Don't get satisfied before long life. You can get satisfied before long life. He said, with long life will I satisfy you. So he wants you to hit long life before you get satisfied. Hit long life. Believe a long life. See yourself living a long life. And and then you can decide when you're satisfied, you're going to go on and be with Jesus. So the question is, now the, 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 the million dollar question is how long? Is long. We've seen God want us heal, take sickness away from the midst of you. We see God wants us health because the sickness is taken out from the midst of us. All that's left is health. And we've we're also establishing the fact that God wants us to live a long, healthy, strong life, not just a long life but a long, healthy, strong life. Come on, say that. I will live. Come on, say it after me. I will live a long, healthy, strong life. Come on, let's say that one. Faith is released by the words of your mouth. Say, I will live a long, healthy, strong life. Come on, let's make that confession again. I will live a long, healthy, strong life. Let's do it one more time. I, I hear you. I hear you. I will live a long, healthy, strong life. Now, the million dollar question is how long is long? How long is long? Well, let's go back to the word then. Let's go back to the word in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. Now, I know some of you, you probably have never heard this before. You probably have never heard. Now, I know some of you have, but some of you listening right now, I bet you've never heard that God wants you to live a long, healthy, strong life. In fact, I bet you never thought that you could choose to live long. And then you can decide when you satisfy after you live long because you can't be satisfied. He don't want you to get satisfied until after you live long. So we're establishing, okay, preacher, reverend, doctor, whoever you are. No, I might. How long is long? Well, let's go to the Bible. Genesis chapter six, verse three, Genesis six, verse three. And I'm going to read it from the uh, New King James Version. That's just the version that take all out the V's and the vowels and all that. But if you have the traditional, you can you can read along with me. It says, and the Lord, this is Genesis 6, 3, and the Lord said, 
My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. Now, if you understand the context of this, and I'll share with the context, and then I want to read to you the Jerusalem Bible, but I want to explain the context. God is saying that my spirit is not going to keep striving with man because he's given to sin. Now, this is hundreds of years after Adam sin in the garden, hundreds of years. This Genesis 6, when God said this, is right before the flood. Noah's ark in the flood that took away everybody except Noah and his family. So the text says, when you look at the whole of the scripture, go back to the book of, uh, of beginnings, Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. After man's sin, man's death enter in, sickness enter in, and evil enter in, because Adam himself lived to be 130 years. Think about that, 100. Um, did I say 130? I'm sorry. Adam himself lived to be 930 years, 930. Adam, can you imagine someone living that long, 930 years? Methuselah, the, the, the man who lived the longest, lived 969 years. 39 years longer than Adam, 969, 969, 969. But what happened, man sinned, death ended by sin, because God never intended for man to die, and sin began to multiply. I mean, it just began, men multiplied on the earth, but sin also multiplied on the earth. And then God came out and said, now listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm almost through striving with folk trying to get them to live right. And then he pronounced something. Now think about 900, 700, 600, 500. They were living a long time. And then he says, his days shall be 120. Boy, that's a big decrease from 969. Now, I looked this up in the Jerusalem Bible. And you can Google a Jerusalem Bible, Genesis 6-3. Just Google it, Genesis 6-3, Jerusalem Bible. Here's what it says. Yahweh said, Yahweh said, that's God, my spirit must not forever be disgraced in man, for he is but flesh, my spirit must not forever be graced in man, for he is but flesh. Now, listen what he says. God says in the Jerusalem Bible, he says, his life shall last no more than 120 years. His life shall last no more more longer than 120 years his life shall last no more than 120 years so 969 the oldest and then god comes out because sin had multiplied and all these things men began to die and then he pronounced something and he's really not changed anything that he said He's not changed anything that he said since he made this pronouncement. He's not changed anything he said from that time on about the lifespan of a man. Genesis 6, he says 120 years. So watch this. We're talking about how long is long life. Now, we know that man can live up 
in God's will to 120 years. Now, I know some of you are thinking about what about Psalms 90.10? What about Psalms 90.10? Doesn't Psalms 90.10 say 70 or 80? Isn't that God's, um, uh, isn't God communicating how long we can live 70 or 80? And if we live 70 or 80, we've lived a long life. Okay, okay, stop right there. Let's read Psalms 910, and then let's go to the context of the 90th chapter. Because to, to understand what God is saying, we have to understand context, the historical context of Psalms 910. So look at Psalms. Thank you for your questions. I see several questions. Look at Psalms. Let's look at Psalms 910, and I'll read it again from the New King James Version. This is very consistent with the traditional King James. It just takes out the these and the vows and the thuses. Now listen at this. Psalms 90.10, it says, the days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength, they be 80 years. Now, individuals, and I was a part, I'm included in what I got to say. Individuals have made two major errors in regard to the context. Number one error, and I thought this at one time, Psalms 90.10 was a declaration of the lifespan of mankind in the will of God. We thought that that's what it's saying. God's will is that we live to get 70 or 80 years and we could be satisfied. And and that's why some people also say, well, I reached 70. That's all he promised us. Oh, I reached 80. That's all he promised. He didn't promise us to live forever. He promised us 70 or 80. Well, I got some news for you as it relates to this first era. Really? Psalms 90.10 is not a prophecy. It is a statistic. What? What did you say? I said Psalms 90.10 is not a prophecy. It's a statistic. Just like they, I gave you statistics last week. I said, I Googled it, and I said, eight out of 10 individuals in America, according to the statistics, will die with sickness and disease. Nine out of 10 people worldwide in regards to the statistics will uh, die with sickness and disease. Statistics, statistics. This Psalms 9 and 10 is a statistic. It's not a prophecy. Okay, before we look at the second era, let's go to the context for just a moment. If if you're going to read Psalms 90, 10, you have to go back and read some of the prior verses, context. When we look at verses 7 and 8, it says, for we have been consumed by your anger. We have been consumed by your anger. You have set our iniquities before you. So apparently... Psalms 90, 10, 70, 80 has to be connected to anger. It has to be connected to their iniquities. Now, I'm going to give you some more insight on this, but let me talk about the second error that we've made in regard to long life. And then I'll come back and, and tell you what's happening in Psalms 90. We've thought that man or believers or Christians have a fixed time to die. Now, how many of you listening to me have thought that man has a fixed time to 
How many of you have said or thought or heard someone else say it was just his time? Somebody said it. It was just his time. They died. It was just their time. Well, when God get ready for us, we have to go. See, there is a mentality that Christians have. It's an erroneous mentality that God has this big calendar in heaven, and it has everybody dates on it. Like, you're going to die January the 5th, and you're going to die February the 8th, and you're going to die in June of this year, and you're going to die in December of that year, that God has this big old calendar, and he's He's journal. He's he's noted everybody's life and everybody's death, and he have decided this is when this person gonna die, and this is when this person gonna die, and that's why we say it was his time when God gets ready. Now I want to break that over you, and I want you to listen. Don't get angry at me now. Don't get angry at me. Just listen to me. Just listen to me. The where you got that from, probably if you're a Bible student, was from Hebrews 9.27. It says, for it is appointed to men once to die and then the judgment. It is appointed to men once to die and then the judgment. Now, way we've interpreted that was that every man has an appointed time to die. But the scripture doesn't say that. It doesn't say every man has an appointed time. It says it is appointed to men once to die, then the judgment. It's, it's saying to us that we all, if Jesus should tarry because of the curse, we all have an appointment with death. It doesn't say the time. It says we have an appointment with death. In other words, if Jesus should tarry, you and I and every person on planet Earth at some point will die. We all have an appointment with death. It does not say an appointed time. Now, I know it doesn't say that because the Bible says that there are things that you can do to prolong your life and there are things you can do to shorten your life. Okay. If God has this calendar in the sky and it has your day on it, I want you to die this time. And God is deciding that then nothing could change that. Nothing you say, nothing you can do can change that. But the Bible says in Proverbs 10, 27, and I want you to look at it. Proverbs 10, 27. It says this, the fear of the Lord prolongs a day, prolong life, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. The fear of the Lord will prolong it, prolong your life, prolong your life. But it says, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. The Bible, and I can show you in other places, the Bible says that there are things that you can do to prolong your life and things that you can do to shorten your life. Well, if there was a fixed date on the calendar that God had decided you're going to die at this time, there will be nothing you could do to prolong it, to increase it, and there was nothing you can do to shorten it. Does that make sense to you? But when we go back to Psalms 90, verse 10, I said to you that this Psalms 90 and 10, verse 70 and verse 70, 80 years is a statistic, is a statistic. What is going on here? Psalms 90, if you do your homework, is credited to Moses, that this is a Psalm of Moses. And if you go to the Amplified Bible, it has it all written out there for you, even has a note at the bottom in the Amplified Bible, Psalms 90. Moses here is interceding on behalf of the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel, the people of God, are under a judgment. They're under a curse because at Kadesh Barnea, 
when God in Numbers 13 and 14 has sent out 12 spies, God said, now listen to me carefully, I've given you the land. That's Numbers 13. I've given you the land. And send 12 men out to spy the land, not to decide whether they could take the land, but to come up with a strategy on how to take the land because planning is our part. Now watch this. Moses selected 12 men in Numbers 13 from each tribe, one from each tribe. They went out, 10 came back with a, what the Bible calls an evil report. We can't take the land. The giants over there, the wall cities, uh, chariots, and we can't take the land. We can't do it. And two, Joshua and Caleb had a good report. We're well able to take the land. If you read in Numbers 14, when they the 12 spies gave their report and the congregation heard the report, they sided in with the 10 men who gave the ear report and they got all upset. You taking us over. They got upset at Moses, got upset at Joshua. They wanted to stone them. They wanted to stone them. We want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to Egypt. We're going to die in this world. They're doing all that. So the whole congregation turned, well, most of the congregation turned to the 10 with the evil report. And in that fourth chapter, God says, it shall be as you said. Yes, you're going to die in the wilderness. Everyone above 20, you're never going to see the promised land. You're going to die in the promised land. So they were in that wilderness for 40 years before they went into the promised land. And the only people who went into the promised land was Joshua, Caleb, and those who were younger than 20. Above 20, 20 and below. Now watch this. Moses is in Psalms 90 interceding, asking God to remove the curse. He's praying, asking God to lift this judgment because the statistic of what is happening in that wilderness is that folk are dying. Most of them are not reaching 70. Some are reaching 70. Others may reach 80, but nobody is living beyond 80 in that wilderness. And so Moses is literally praying on behalf of the people, and he's quoting. This is not God giving a lifespan. Moses is quoting his prayer. He's, he's giving a statistic of what's going on. The people are dying at 70. Some are dying at 80, but nobody's living over 80 years old, God. And he's praying that that judgment be lifted. This is not a lifespan. It is a statistic. The people were dying. Nobody was reaching because God said, you're going to die because of their unbelief. Unbelief killed them. He said, you, you want to die in the wilderness? You're going to die in the wilderness. They said it. They released their fear and they died in the wilderness. And nobody made it past 80 years old. That's what's happening here. So what is long life? If they were dying at 80 and Moses was communicating to God, they're dying young. They're dying young. Moses lived to be 120. He said they're dying young. Then long life has to be somewhere above 80 up to 120. That's long life. Above 80 up to 120. You have a right to believe God for a life that is above 80 up to 120. And once you get above 80, you know you're above that, what he was saying. You know you can live to be a, a, a 120. And medical science says that there's no reason why people should die before 120. We just dump so much stuff in our waters and dump so much stuff in chemicals and poisons in our, and, and our, uh, our crops and all that. 
but really, and, and fog in the sky and pause in the sky, but really, technically, there's no reason why a person should die before 120. So God is saying above 80 to 120, and you can live as long as you want, you're satisfied. If you get satisfied at 85 or 82 or 81, you get satisfied at 80, 90, whatever, as long as you satisfy. And I've decided that I will live to be 110 years old. If G that's when I'm going to be satisfied. Now that's biblical. You can believe for that. You say, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Well, the Bible said the word preached didn't profit them because they didn't believe. It's just the bottom line. Faith comes by hearing. I've given you good news. Now, I want to I want to look at uh, a, a few scriptures before I close. And I and, and I, I got I got several questions here. Uh, I got a, a couple of comments here and I'm going to answer your questions. And if I have time, I'll go back and, and, and look at your comments. But listen, you can send them in now because I know some of this is probably different than what you heard. But it is good news. Faith comes by hearing. Now. Let's let's look at a type of redemption type T-Y-P-E. What is a type? A type is an Old Testament person, an Old Testament place or an Old Testament thing that foreshadows or point to something greater in the New Testament. It's an Old Testament person, place or thing that points to something greater in the New Testament. I'm going to give you this, and, and, and we'll be closing here. In Numbers chapter 21, verse 8 through 9, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent put it on a pole, and so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, Jesus himself connected this type to himself. John 3, 14, 15, it says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. Now, let me give you the context. They're in the wilderness. The people of God, Israel, are in the wilderness, and they were sinning and complaining and all that, and snakes came out. Snakes came out and started biting the people, and the people were dying from the snake bites. So the people crying out, and Moses interceded for the people because they were just going from sin, and then they have trouble. Sin, then they have trouble. And so they, they pray and said, Moses, pray for us. And Moses prayed and said, God, help us with these snakes. So God told him, I want you to take a brass bronze serpent. And this serpent now is a type of sin. Now, in some cases, the serpent is a type of Satan. But in this case, the serpent is a type of sin. It's pointing to something else. I want you to take this bronze serpent that he made with his hand, a bronze serpent, and I want you to put it on a pole. And he said, now, when you hold up the bronze serpent that's on the pole, he said that everyone who looks up at the serpent on the pole will live. And that's absolutely amazing. Those people who got snake bitten, when they looked up, they heard the good news from Moses. You got to look up at that bronze serpent on that pole. They heard good news and they obeyed. They looked up and every person who got bitten by snakes were healed. And the snakes just left out. After that pole went up, them snakes power lost. They lost their power over the people. Jesus took this type and applied it to himself. And he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So now we got Jesus saying, I am what Moses was prophesying. 
On that pole, Jesus didn't become a serpent. Up on the tree, on the cross, Jesus became sin. That serpent on the pole was a type of sin. He became sin so that the serpent's bite, Satan's bite, sin, sickness, disease, poverty, will have no power over us. And it says, if we just look up to that cross and see Jesus bearing our sins, then we can be delivered from Satan and all his works. Now, listen at this, and I'll close with this, and then I'll answer your questions. The type can't be better than the antitype. The type is the serpent. It is something in the Old Testament that points to something in the new. The something in the new or the someone in the new is better. So the serpent, which is a type of sin on the pole, can't be better than Jesus on the cross. My point is they were forgiven of their sin by looking at a serpent on a pole, but they were also healed. So why would Jesus being on the cross only provide forgiveness for us? Surely it must provide healing as well because the type provided forgiveness and healing. Well, listen, next lesson, we're going to go to the ministry of Jesus because Jesus is the same. We went to the past. We're going to look at Jesus in the present. Then we're going to look in the, in the future. I trust you got blessed by this. I, I want you to go back and meditate on it because I got some heavy stuff went forth today. I want to look now at some of these questions that you gave me, and I want to answer your questions. Here's the first question. What were the verses in Exodus? Okay, the verses in Exodus. I'm glad you asked because I can do that. The verses in Exodus with Exodus 15, 26, and I was quoting from the New King James Version, Exodus 15, 26, I'm the Lord that healeth you, Jehovah Rapha, okay? The other verses in Exodus was Exodus 23, the 23rd chapter, verses 25 through 26. Exodus 23, verse 25 through 26, and I was reading from the New King James Version. Good question. Here's another question. I had a pastor who said he was going to live a healthy life at 110 or 120. He died of a blood clot at 40 something. I knew he was a real believer after he died. It bothered me. My question is, are our spiritual age different from our earthly age? I believe he had filled his time here. Well, now listen. I want you to listen to me carefully because I am not in any way tempting to downgrade, disparage, or make negative your pastor and his confession. Okay? He confessed 110. He confessed at 120. He died of a blood clot at 50, at 40. Now, here, two things, two things I want you to listen to. Two things I want you to listen to. Two things I want you to listen to. Number one, what does that have to do with you? And I don't mean any harm now. Trust me, I'm on your team. And what does that have to do with the word? Okay, the word says, whosoever believe will not perish. People perish all the time. The, the mistake, the reason it bothered you, because you put this person's experience on the level of scripture. In other words, you brought God down to the level. You, you, I'm not putting you down. I'm saying you brought God down to the level of human experience. You never look at this person and say, okay, they died before that time. That bothers me. No, no, no. It should bother you that they died. But it shouldn't bring questions in your mind about the scripture because none of us are the scripture. Jesus is our example. God is our father. The word is the answer, not human experience. Number one, 
you never equate what God's promise in scripture to what's happening to anybody. I don't care how holy it could be Mike Moore. You don't look at my experience and my experience determine what you believe. You look at the word. Now, here's the second thing that you didn't realize. You said, I know he was a real believer. He probably was a real believer, but you don't know what's inside of every person. You see them in the pulpit. You hear them. People see me in the pulpit. They don't know my inward man. They don't know what, what what's happening in my life. They You don't know what God is saying to me. Now, watch this. Watch this. You say you know he was a real believer. Do you know what God was saying to him in his personal life? Do you know what God was saying to him? You don't. For example, I give you an illustration. God spoke to me this about 21 years ago. 21 years ago. He said, you need to get that out of your diet. You need to get that out of your diet. God, let me ask you a question. I'm not being mean now. Were you there when God spoke that to me? Did you hear God tell me I had to take some out of my diet? No, you didn't. You, you weren't there. Okay. I took that out of my diet 21 years ago. 21 years. I haven't eaten it. Will never eat it again on purpose in my life. I don't tell people what it is because they may say, we got to get that out of that. That was a word to me. God knows what my system is. He knows what's going on in my body. He knows what my body doesn't need. And he told me to get it out of my, okay, let's back up. What if I didn't get it out of my diet? And what if I died? I didn't get it out. God told me to get it out, but I didn't because diet has a lot to do with it, too. Not just the scripture. Diet has a lot to do with it, too. Now, watch this. Now you say, well, you know, I don't know what happened to Pastor Mike. Because Pastor Mike, I know he was a believer. I know, but you didn't know that. So you don't know. And the, the Bible said no man knows what's in a man but the spirit of that man. That's Hebrews chapter two. No man knows what in a man, but the spirit of that man. So you don't know here again. I'm not talking about the man not being a, a godly man, not loving Jesus. I'm not talking about that because I don't know the man. I'm saying you don't know his issues. You don't know whether God talked to him about the black cot. You don't know whether God saw something and said something to him. You don't know that. So you never base what you believe on the experience of somebody else. So your question is, it's kind of like a plan B. So is our spiritual age different from our earthly age? I don't, I can't answer that question because I don't, I don't know anything about a spiritual age. I don't know anything. The Bible doesn't tell me anything about a spiritual age. It tells me about a natural age. It tells me 120. Don't say nothing about a spiritual spiritual age. So I can't really answer that question. It is a wonderful question. I'm so glad you brought it up because there's so many other people. They get thrown because this person died. This person didn't reach it. This person, this happened, this happened. No, no, no. Don't do that. Stay with the word. Believe the word. Uh, scripture said, what if some didn't believe? Shall it, shall it make God of, of, of no account? No, the Bible said, let God be true. Let every man be a liar. The word is the answer, not human experience. We should be examples, but that's not what you're building your faith on. Good question. Thank you for bringing it up. It'll help some other people. Question. There's a spiritual side to health and a natural side. Are you going to talk about the natural side? Yes, I'm going to talk about the natural side. In fact, my my daughter, Tiffany, she deals with the natural side on her podcast, Tiffany Moore, uh, More to Health podcast it's more to health right more to health you can go to her podcast she's always talking about health stuff always talking about exercise there is a natural side you can go to more to health and and she's gonna help you with it but not only that i'm gonna bring her on my podcast and i'm gonna let her talk about the natural side but i'm gonna talk about the spiritual side first but then i'm gonna bring her in great question if God said the cutoff age is 120, then how is there evidence of people who have lived more than 120? Well, uh, you know, the Bible says that people live 900 and something, 900 and something. I don't know of anybody in our day and time 
who's really lived past 120. Now, I know we have people who've lived to be 105 and 110. I don't know. You may know somebody. Send it in. Let me know. But for the most part, in our day, and we've got to stand on the word for our day. In fact, to be honest with you, 120 is a that's something to really believe for because most folk get satisfied way before that. But the Bible is full of illustrations where people live 500 years, 900 years. I'm talking about from Genesis chapter six. I'm talking about God's last declaration. I'm not talking about Methuselah and Noah and all those, those groups. Okay. Moses lived to be 120. I think Joshua lived to be 110. Um, but I don't know if anybody else in scripture who lived past 120 after the flood. I don't know if anybody who lived past 120. These are great questions. This is my the, next week. We're going to get into the ministry of Jesus. I trust you will bless great questions. Thank you so very much. Look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs>